0: Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian channel, and today we're going to talk about being a patriot during our modern times, and especially from the perspective of being a Christian patriot during our modern times. And so why be a patriot or what is a patriot to begin with? And of course, I think most people would have varying definitions, but most would also agree with the idea that we have an allegiance towards our country. We have a love for our country and a proper concern for things going well within the country and within with uh, amongst the population of the country. Uh, but as we've come into our modern times, we see that patriotism is kind of being redefined from an allegiance to your country and what it stands for to more of a partisan allegiance between various political parties or political ideologies. And so our patriotism, I believe, is somewhat confused right now. But let's just get to what most people are concerned about today, and I think maybe we can see the need four Christian patriots today. We have a huge problem right now on our border in the state that I live in, in Texas. We've, during the past three years, all the border states across America have had a total of about 9.3 million illegal immigrants coming across the border. Not all are illegal, but most are coming in without going through the proper channels that they're supposed to go through. And so, because there are so many of them, they're just processing them at the border and saying, "Here, you come in at this court date, and and uh, we'll talk about it." And so, and then they're off, and and they're just released into the general population. Well, it's overwhelming the resources of these border states so much so uh, that they've had to raise taxes on their citizens in order to pay for that. Imagine the irony of that for a moment: paying your federal taxes to allow one entity to allow illegal immigration while you're paying another entity to stop that illegal immigration from going on. And so you've got money coming out of this pocket for one thing and money coming out of this pocket for another. You're paying for the problems that, that you have. That shouldn't be, should it? That's not right. And part of being a patriot, I believe, is making a stand for what's Right. But again, we we have all these problems and whatever your thoughts are on, on immigrants, whether they should just all be allowed to come in or not, you have to admit that it's starting to overwhelm our resources because we have so many coming in at one time. And the states cannot afford to be paying for all of their medical and their food and their housing or even provide for all these things logistically. It's just not possible. And so a lot of these states have started shipping them off to other states who, by the way, have not appreciated that and are starting to realize that perhaps we do have a problem with our borders. It's gotten so ridiculous in recent time that we have one part of our government putting up fences and and wire to keep people out, while we have another part of our government tearing down those fences and the wire to let people in. Now, whatever you think about that, you have to admit that doesn't make an awful lot of sense, does it? Imagine Uh, your own personal property, your own personal home, and and imagine you living in an area where in the last several years you've had people break into your home and just start carrying things off. Other people have broken into your home and have actually molested some of your children. Some of them have broken into your home and have actually killed some of your, your family. What do you do? Well, you start taking action, don't you? At the very least, you're going to try and strengthen your doors and maybe even put a a better fence around your property. But now imagine you're doing that. You're strengthening your doors. You're putting a better fence around your property. And the police come, and they start tearing your fence down, and they start kicking in your doors. And then they warn you that if you do anything to reestablish putting up stronger doors or putting that fence back up, that they will arrest you. What are you going to do? Well, this is the difficult situation that we find ourselves in today with with just our borders. But that's not our only problems. In the last three years, we've had a terrible disease that's ravaged the entire world. I don't know what you think about whether this disease was released on purpose or not, but we do have certain facts that are in place right now that are indisputable, that the evidence doesn't just lead to, but people have admitted to, and that's this, that the United States decided that they would work on a disease that they could not work on within the United States, and so they went to a communist country, and paid them to allow them to work on it there with their people. And so you have this unholy alliance between the United States of America and a communist country who are working on trying to get diseases to be more potent, they say, for the reason of of being able to treat them more effectively. Now, whether that's right or not doesn't matter. What happened was a disease got out, and when that disease got out, it has killed according to their own records, millions of people. And yet the people who are responsible for this activity, the people who are responsible for this illegal activity have not only not been held accountable, but they're living a pretty wealthy lifestyle. While at the same time, the entire world has gone through season after season of harsher illnesses and harsher illnesses because of this uh, desire to to build a a bigger and more potent disease. Here's another problem I believe that patriots ought to be con- concerned about right now. This is something that happened probably about eight or nine years ago. I can I, I preached at a small congregation in a small town, and I had a call from a superintendent of our schools. And he said, I need you to come into my office and and look at a document we just received from from the federal government. I can't remember if that document was from the Justice Department or the Department of Education. It was one of the two. It may have even been a joint document. But whatever it was, it was a, a set of rules about this thick outlining what the schools were expected to do when it came to little boys who decided that they were really a little girl. And so what, what these, this set of rules and regulations and proposed laws indicated was that the schools, if they had a young man who decided that he really was a young lady, that the schools then needed to open the ladies' bathroom up to these young men and that they could not provide a separate bathroom for them because that might make them feel uncomfortable. They had to be made to feel normal. In addition to that, the schools had to open the girls' showers up to these boys who said that they were really young ladies or felt like they were young ladies and just were born in a boy's body. And so they couldn't provide separate showers for them. They had to be able to shower with the rest of the girls' team so that they would not be made to feel uncomfortable. In addition to that, these young men who said they were feeling like young ladies were to be permitted to be on the young ladies' teams, and when they traveled, they were to be housed with the young ladies, to share beds with the young ladies. And they were not to be given different rooms because that could make them feel uncomfortable. And so the superintendent called me in, and he showed me this, and, and I read through it, and and he just asked what can we do about it? And of course, I was just as stunned as he was. And I said, well, we're we'll going to have to fight it. Well, what if what if we don't win? And the answer is, well, it's going to shut the school down for all practical purposes because good parents are not going to allow their, their daughters to be involved in a situation where they're going to be sharing the most private of facilities with young men, or even if these young men identify as young ladies. They're just not going to do that. Well, fortunately, we lived in a state where the governor came out and said that this was not going to be done in Texas, that this could not be enforced. In Texas, and so the problem has gone away for a while. But some of you live in states where this problem is at the forefront of what you're dealing with. Some of you live within cities within our state, the state of Texas, who are also very sympathetic to these young men who say that they're young women and are going ahead and allowing them to be involved with these things that we've talked about. Well, again, patriots, people who love their country and who love the people within their country, are going to be rightfully concerned about this. In in just the last few elections, we have, have started coming up with another problem that I believe patriots should be concerned with, and that is all of a sudden we've forgotten how to count votes. And so we don't get our votes counted quickly. We'll go to bed one night with one candidate way ahead and then we'll wake up a few days later finding out that they have found all sorts of votes that showed that the other candidate won. Now, whether this is true or not, whether this was done legitimately or not, it really doesn't matter. How have we gotten to the point where we can balance billions of dollars to the penny every night within our banking system without flaw, but we can't even count a little over a hundred million votes. It's hard to it's hard to fathom, isn't it? And again, patriots have a right to expect better from their country. So what do we do? Well, one of the things patriots have done from the very outset of this country was they prayed. Before this nation was even a nation, when people were starting to come over here from other countries and fleeing in part because of religious persecution, when they came here within the settlements, they had regular prayers within those settlements. Sometimes when they would do that, they would have an outbreak of disease or they were having a drought or whatever but but when they would do that it wouldn't it was not just a day of prayer very often it was a day of fasting and and uh, repentance and prayer in other words they were going to try and take the things that they knew that weren't right within their life and repent of that and ask for God's forgiveness before they ever even dared enter into a prayer to ask him for help with the various things they were doing. This was something that happened within the settlements at first, and then with the colonies after that. In 1768, when we started really having problems with the frictions between the British government and the people who lived, who are British citizens in the United States of America or on this continent, obviously we weren't the United States yet, but in 1768, they started issuing proclamations in the various colonies and in cities within those colonies that called for days of of prayer and humiliation and fasting. The humiliation was the idea that they would humble themselves before God, that they would confess their sins to him and ask for forgiveness, and then they would ask for help. Well, this became something that was quite the occurrence, the common occurrence within the United States. At the first day of, excuse me, at the first Continental Congress in 1775, they issued a proclamation recommending a day of public humiliation, fasting and prayers to be held within the English colonies. This was done by no less people than John Hancock and John Witherspoon, who was probably the most prominent preacher in America at that time, and they were urging the colonists to be praying for, for peace. They were urging them to be praying for King George, to, to have a change of heart. And so this was something they were very serious about. This proclamation was sent to every town within the colonies after, this, after it was made by the First Continental Congress. And John Adams wrote that the popular response was gratifying, so gratifying that a special day was more widely observed than the practice of going to church. And after this success, Congress determined to call for a day of fasting and prayer each spring. When George Washington was the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army in 1789, that Continental Congress passed a proclamation for prayer, for fasting, humiliation, and prayer, is how it read. And so it was to be held on Thursday, May 6th of 1789, during the war. And so or excuse me, 1779, not 1789, but during 1779, May 6th of 1779. And so what what Washington did was he had a day where his men could not work and they couldn't take part in recreation in order that they could uh, meet this proclamation, encouraging them to fasting and humiliation and to prayer. In March of 1780, Congress again announced a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer to be held on April 26th. All through the Revolutionary War, time and time again, they would come together to repent of their sins, to humble themselves before God, and to ask for His assistance. Well... After the war was won, the the practice of national prayer was continued through George Washington's term and through John Adams' term, but then it was something that just kind of went by the wayside. Until 1862, a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln signed a declaration on April 30th, 1863, that uh, called for a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. This is part of our country. This is part of one of the things that made our country great was the fact that we turned to God at times when we needed his help. We acknowledged that need for his help and we repented of our sins and then we asked him for that help. Well, we still have times of national prayer today, but they're nothing like that. They don't call for us to repent and then pray. They just call for us to pray. You might remember after 9-11 uh, happened, after the, the Twin Towers came down on that horrible day, and George W. Bush called for a national day of prayer. I can remember how excited I was that we were actually turning back to God. And then that excitement quickly faded because this was a national day of prayer, not only by Christians, but it was also also including shamans or shamans and Wiccan, or witches. And so, on this National Day of Prayer, that we were supposed to humble ourselves before God and ask for His help, we were praying side by side with those who were idol worshipers and with those who were devil worshipers. And you can see how well that National Day of Prayer went. When you pray to God side by side with idols, side by side with demons... You can't expect success. So what's the solution? Part of it, I believe, is to return to a proper sense of patriotism that is led first and foremost by a proper sense of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a patriot, why we're being patriots. George Washington, when he came in, he warned the people about this spirit of party that seemed to be developing, and he warned them how this would divide the nation, not unite it. And, and a lot of people today consider themselves patriot if they have an, patriots if they have an allegiance to a political party—Republicans, Democrats, whatever it is—and so they've divided their allegiance. It's no longer for the nation; it's for a particular party within their nation. And I realize that they have an allegiance towards whatever party they have an allegiance for because they think it's the best for the nation. But a patriotism that's divided isn't a patriotism. It's a recipe for disaster. It always has been. One of the things I really like about studying the Bible is you can go back and you can see various periods of time where people were in situations very similar to the ones that we're in. In the book of Zephaniah, this occurred about 40 years before Judah, the last remnant of Israel, was destroyed. And they were trying to come back to God. And so God had the prophet Zephaniah warn the people in this way. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 1. Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation, before the appointed time arrives, and that day sweeps on like chaff before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, Before the day of the Lord's wrath comes, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. You who do what he commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. Well, he was warning the people they had to come back to him, but they didn't just need to be coming back and asking for things, asking for protection. They had to come forward to ask for that in humility. They needed to be repenting of the sins that they had and then humbly entreating God for his help. And God said, perhaps you'll be rescued on that day, which surely came, by the way, some 40 years later when Jerusalem was absolutely razed to the ground. But there was a remnant that was saved, and no doubt it was the remnant who had been praying to God for their help, humbly praying to God for their help and repenting while they were doing that. Well after that time, after Jerusalem was destroyed and they were carried off into captivity and now they're trying to come back from captivity and rebuild the nation, at least rebuild the city of Jerusalem. This says this This says this in Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 3, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. You notice anything in that? Three times he refers to himself as the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of heaven, the Lord of the armies of heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And three times he says Lord of hosts in that small statement where he says, if you'll return to me, I will return to you. You want to be a patriot? You want a return of what this nation used to stand for? You're going to have to return to God first, and it needs to be a humble entreaty, a a prayer where we recognize that we have things we've done wrong and we are determined to stop doing that, a prayer of repentance, and then we can ask for his assistance. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, about 100 years after Zechariah wrote, he said this, I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. In other words, even though they had sinned so badly because God doesn't change, he still loved them, they were still alive, but they had things they needed to do. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. If we want to solve the problems that we've got today in our nation, and there's a lot of problems, it's going to have to start with you humbly repenting of your sins and turning to God and asking for his help. As a nation, we need to be humble. We need to be repenting of the things we've done wrong, and then we need to be asking God for his help. A patriot is somebody who has an allegiance to a nation, to a nation's people, because they love that nation and they love the nation's people. We've become a divided nation, and things that used to pass or things that pass for patriotism right now, this spirit of party and the spirit of division has nothing to do with patriotism. It just has to do with us wanting to support who we support. Now, I realize that we're frustrated, and I realize that there are people who are saying that they will help restore this country if we will give them our support. I'm not suggesting you're a bad patriot for doing that. But I do want you to think about this. Until we've repented and humbly turned back to God and asked for His assistance, there can be no help for this nation. We have serious problems, but they're not so serious that they can't be solved. But we're going to have to do our best. I hope you consider yourself a patriot. I consider myself a patriot. But before I'm a patriot for this nation, I'm a servant of God. And so we have to serve him first and and we have to acknowledge that his way is right and that our way has been wrong. And then once we've repented of that sin, I believe we can then start entreating him to help us out to restore this nation to the greatness it once enjoyed because it was one nation under God. Well, that's it for today. A lot to think about. Uh, if you have any comments, I would encourage you to put them in the, in the comments below. I know you won't agree with everything I've said. That's all right. I assure you that I'll respectfully answer your comments on that. But I'd also appreciate it if you'd subscribe. That will help this channel out. If you'd like this uh, video, that will help it get to more people. But until next time, do your best to, through humiliation, humbling yourself to God to return to Him and think about ways then that we can be helping this country that we love. So God bless you. We'll see you next time.